Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you love tennis and want to improve your game, this podcast is for you. Whether it's technique, strategy, equipment, or the mental game, tennis professional Ian Westerman is here to make you a better player. And now, here's Ian. Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Tennis Express and Tennis Tours. Thanks very much for joining me on today's episode. We've got some great topics to talk about. And before we get to those, I want to let you all know that in next week's show, episode number 164, I'm going to have a big announcement to make. And it's something I'm, I've been looking forward to for a long time, and I'm really excited about it. And I'm going to kick off next week's show with that. Some of you out there listening already know what I'm talking about, but I haven't really made this public yet. Um, you'll just have to wait till next week and see. But I, I'm looking forward to next week's show. and I, I just want to kind of put a little bug in all of your ears that uh, there's going to be an important announcement next week. So let's go ahead and get to the show with that. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. All right, let's kick off today's show with a question from Asan. And Asan is writing to us from Iran. He wrote and said, I am 28 and a level four player. I am tall and have a great serve. My former partner went to the USA, so I found a new guy to team up with. Everything was okay, but in matches, my partner could not finish easy points after my serve. He has the ability to do it, but became angry at himself more and more. I told him to take it easy, we will go for the next points, etc., but after three or four bad volleys, I could not serve well anymore and could not follow the rhythm of the match. I tried to recover from this during the match, but could not. So I have a question. What should you do in doubles when you see your partner does not finish your serve or easy volleys, or in general, he frustrates you? By the way, we have practiced this, t- this, this technique a lot, but in matches, I don't know what happened to him, and I do not know what I should do when this occurs. Okay, Asan, that's a really good question, and, and basically we're talking about kind of a combination of mental toughness and doubles partner relations. It's really important that you get along well with your doubles partner. In fact, it's extremely important. You two are a team out there, and if you can't work together as a team, then it's very difficult to be successful. So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to, we're going to talk about your question from two different perspectives. The first perspective from, uh, from your partner's kind of standpoint, your, your partner's vantage point, and two different topics from your vantage point as well. So let's talk about your partner first. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a couple of different tips on what your partner needs to work on and hopefully you can help him through this or simply have him listen to this episode so that he can hear me talk about what he needs to work on here. In fact, that would probably be best if uh, if you could have him listen to the show. It'd probably be easier than trying to teach him yourself. Uh, some people would be res- receptive to that. Other people would not want 
you know, kind of deep advice from their doubles partner. They they would probably push that away. I don't I don't know your partner, so I I don't know how he would react. But probably best case scenario would be to have him listen to this show. So two things that your partner needs. Number one, he needs more competitive practice based on what based on what you're writing to me, and this goes for. All of you listening, any time you can complete something successfully in practice, but you cannot do it in match play, it means that you need more competitive experience. You need more competitive practice. And practicing and competing are they're really two different skills completely. And many of you out there have been frustrated by this. Maybe you're working on a new technique of some kind or a new strategy or tactic and you head out to the practice courts and you hit with a ball machine or with a with a practice partner or maybe with your tennis coach or pro and everything feels great and it's like ah awesome i i've got this you know finally maybe you've been working on it for a little while then you go out to play a match a couple of days later or or the next week and it's just totally not there and it, it it just totally leaves you and that can be really frustrating because you feel like you've got it you feel like it's part of your game and and this example that Assam is talking about um in this example they were practicing a certain tactic Assam has a great serve and his partner in practice was able to put away the easy volleys and overheads that were the result of Hassan's good serve. Then they got into competition in the match play, and it was no longer happening. He was missing those shots. And if that becomes a pattern, then your partner, Hassan, needs much more competitive practice. Once you've mastered a shot or a technique or a strategy in, in practice, it takes really just as many repetitions in match play before you can confidently use that tactic or strategy or technique in match play. What I mean, what it comes down to is you really have to believe that you can do it when it counts. If you've done it in practice, that's one thing. But in the back of your mind, you know, uh, well, great. I had a great day at practice. I was finally able to hit that topspin forehand. It felt great. And you know that you're able to do it in general, but there's still kind of that little doubt in the back of your mind whether or not you can do it when something is actually on the line. And it's a match that counts and you really want to win and you want to perform well. So, Asan, this is something that you can directly help your partner with. Set up practice sessions with two other players that are right around your level and play as many points as possible. Keep track of score and make it a competition and practice putting your partner in this situation over and over again where it actually counts. And if he's open to it, even put something on the line that not only play for points, but say, all right, whoever wins this set, uh, the losing team has to do 20 pushups or, you know, something like that where it, it's not a huge deal, but, but put something on it so that there's some pressure there and you can help your partner work through dealing with these shots when it actually counts for something. So that's number one for your partner. He needs more competitive practice. Number two for your partner, and this one's more difficult, he needs to let misses go. He needs to start dealing with his misses more maturely, I guess is probably a good uh, word for it. Yeah, And you can help, you can try to help him on this, but at the end of the day, it's really up to him 
whether or not he's going to change his attitude about this, whether or not he's going to change his uh, his mindset and his emotional kind of patterns out on the tennis court. And this this that's something that's not easy. So you're going to, you know, be patient with him, cut him some slack on this uh, if if you want. And I'll suggest that you, you talk with him about it and make it a casual meeting, maybe after a practice session, maybe, you know, Maybe the two of you are, are cooling down, packing up your stuff or, or stretching or, or whatever. Don't, don't make it like a intervention or anything like that. Uh, but casually, just just brain it up and just say that in general. Hey, listen, I, I'm, I, I think that you and I could be a better team. We could be more successful if you learn how to keep your head a little more and, and not get so upset and so frustrated during our match play when you miss. Uh, you know, it, it just bring it up in a really kind of low pressure way, kind of suggestive way. Don't be condescending. Uh, you know, don't talk down to him and and act like you know you're so much better than him that you need to try to fix his game, kind of thing. Because if you come at it from that direction, he's not, he's probably going to shut down and he's not going to listen to you. But br- bring up a couple of things. First of all, making mistakes is totally part of playing tennis at any level. No, I. I mean, I don't know this for sure, but I'm just going to go ahead and say that no player has ever completed a full tennis match without making some kind of unforced error, without making some kind of mistake, professional players included. So it's totally unrealistic to expect to go through a match and not screw up. Now, of course, some days you screw up more than others, and that can be frustrating. But in general, you need to learn how to let your mistakes go and just, you know, just let it roll off your back and just not be worried about it. Um, winning at tennis isn't about making no mistakes. It's not about being error-free. Winning tennis is all about which team rebounds from making those errors and then plays the best after that and learns how to make adjustments and, and does the best that they can within whatever confines they have for that day. And then lastly, I would just say encourage him to stay positive in your next match. No matter what, you know, at the end of this conversation, say, tell you what, you know, just, just for me, just try that the next match that we have together, I want you to try, just do your best to stay positive no matter what happens. You know, it doesn't matter if you swing and miss at an overhead, you know, a sitter overhead, you totally miss it and then fall over and fall on your face. You know, something's totally embarrassing. You're, you're going to get up, just kind of smile, laugh it off, and, and just move on to the next point and ask him to just kind of make a commitment to do that in his next match. If you can get him to at least try it and make that first step to being a little bit more positive, then the two of you as a team will definitely advance. Okay, so that's what I suggest for your partner. Number one, he needs more competitive practice. Number two, he needs to let his misses go, not let them bother him so much. Now, for you, Asan, you need to work on some things as well based on your question here. First of all, you need to support your partner 100%. 100%. Never be negative. Never show disappointment. Every time he misses a shot, you should jog up to him, you know, slap his hand, give him five, say, hey, don't, don't worry about it. Good try. This was the right play. Uh, you know, maybe he went, tried to poach, missed a shot, or maybe he had that easy put away shot after your good serve and misses it. Say, Hey, that was the right play. You should keep going for that. Don't worry about it. No problem. Just, just forget about it. 
go for it next time you get the opportunity as well. Be totally positive. And Assam said in his note that he tried this, but over time just kind of wore down and he got frustrated. Well, you have to do your best to stay positive no matter what, Asan. And that can be really difficult when your partner is being negative, but you just have to do it no matter what. And even if you're down, you know, love six, love five, and your partner just threw his racket and upset, still try to stay upbeat. You never know in tennis when things could totally turn around and the two of you could make a comeback, but that's not going to happen if the two of you continue to be upset and negative and angry in general. You'll never make that comeback. So 100% you need to support your partner. It's just like managing any other successful partnership in life. Uh, A marriage, a work relationship, a dating relationship if you're you know if you're not married yet you got it you need to have each other's backs and you need to support each other unconditionally you have to be a team 100% and if at any point you give up on your partner it's just not going to work out well for you that day and lastly asan you need to learn how to focus when in general things are just not going your way and this is kind of related to supporting your partner 100%, no matter what. But but it's a little bit different. You need to learn how to keep your concentration. You talked about in your question losing the rhythm of the match, starting to lose your serve and not be able to hit your serve effectively anymore, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You have to learn how to put away the frustrations or the, the temptation to be frustrated by your partner and be positive, and be mentally tough, and keep your focus. This is part of doubles. You have to not only deal with your opponents and try your best to keep your focus no matter what they're doing, but you got to deal with your partner sometimes too, and stay positive for the two of you, and keep your focus, and keep doing the best that you can at what you can control, your game, and what you can control, supporting your partner, etc. So don't show disappointment don't let your partner's misses affect you. Don't let your partner's attitude affect you. You know, if, if your partner starts getting angry and negative and you follow, then the day is over. So you have to stay tough. And this is just good mental training. I mean, this is good life training, honestly. No matter what happens out there, you just have to do your best to stay positive, stay focused, and do the best that you can. Remind yourself that this is just a game. All right, you're you're out there playing a game for enjoyment and you love tennis and, and this is exactly what you want to be doing right now. And uh remind yourself of that to to just kind of keep positive emotionally and stay kind of up and uh and and keep, you know, just have fun out there. Don't don't worry about it. Remind yourself it's just a game. Remind yourself that that you love to play tennis, you love to compete. And you're just going to decide, just make a decision to relax, enjoy it, and just do the best you can right now. You have to kind of learn how to sometimes just laugh at the challenges, laugh at, you know, internally, <laughs> uh, just kind of chuckle to yourself that your partner is having such a terrible day today. And, uh, you know, he's just really negative and angry and he's missing these easy volleys. Well, you know what? Things could be worse with life, right? I mean, Am I right? <laughs> don't don't worry about it. Don't let it drag you down emotionally. Don't let it take away your concentration. 
Just keep doing the best that you can right now with the circumstances that you've been given so that when you walk off the court, you can still be satisfied and say, you know what? I had a lot going against me today, but I stayed focused. I still did the best that I could. And even though we lost that match, my partner was angry and upset. You know what? I still feel good about how I performed. And it doesn't mean you're going to win every time, but that's just part of competing at sports. Okay. So, Asan, hopefully that's helpful to you. This is a really tricky situation. Hopefully you can get your partner to listen to this show. If not, hopefully uh, my advice here has been helpful to you and you're able to take some of these ideas and go talk to your partner and get the two of you on the same page. Hopefully get, get him a little bit more positive. Keep yourself more positive. Keep yourself more focused. And the two of you will definitely be more successful. Thank you very much for being a listener in Iran. Great to know I've got listeners there. And best of luck with your tennis. All right. Real quickly, before we get to our second question today, I want to remind you all about the official sponsors of the Essential Tennis Podcast. First of all, TennisTours.com, where you can go to purchase tennis tournament tickets for ATP and WTA events and travel packages Go check them out. They've got tickets to all the Grand Slams and most of the other major event or big events, professional events throughout the year. So go to TennisTours.com. When you check out, use the promotional code ESSENTIAL. You'll get a discount off your purchase, and that'll show them that you're a listener and you, you support Tennis Tours for being a sponsor of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Also, Tennis Express, the one of the, the biggest online retailers in the world for tennis gear and equipment, please check them out by going to EssentialTennis.com slash Express. That'll automatically shoot you over to Tennis Express. And when you check out, any purchase you make, a small percentage of that will come back to support the Essential Tennis Podcast, which I would appreciate very much. So thank you to my sponsors, TennisTours.com, TennisExpress.com. And thank you to all of you who have been going and and supporting them with your purchases to show them your appreciation. That really really means a lot to me. Okay, and next question here on the show is from Robert in Sweden. Robert wrote and said, My question has to do with drop shots. I struggle with my drop shots as they always come out too long and lands at the service line. Can you give advice on effective drills to train drop shots? Well, sure, Robert. Um, as far as drills are concerned, you should be practicing for two bounces inside the service line. If you can hit a drop shot that lands two bounces inside the service line, you're doing great. Three bounces or more inside the service line, and it's an incredible shot. But two bounces, you're you're probably hitting a, a shot that if it's not a winning shot, is it? It's at least very challenging for your opponents. And uh, in the USPTA exam, United States Professional Tennis Association, which is the organization that certifies me as a tennis professional, that's part of the stroke exam is is uh, hitting drop shots. And uh, that's how they judge what level that you get certified at is by how many bounces in front of the service line. And if I remember correctly, I think we had to hit 10 and something like seven of them had to bounce twice inside the service lines or something like that. I, I can't remember what it was exactly, but that's usually the gauge that you can use to tell how, how well you're doing. 
keep in mind that in general, you don't want to use a drop shot if you're deep in the courts. Um, you really shouldn't be trying it unless you're at least inside the baseline and preferably probably several steps inside the baseline because the further back you get, simply the more difficult it becomes to successfully hit softly and short because you just have a lot more space that the ball has to travel across before it lands on your opponent's side. And that makes it really difficult to drop it short without it bouncing too far, like what you're describing. Now, with those things out of the way, I'm going to talk about the technique of hitting good drop shots so that I'm sure that you understand what you're supposed to be doing with the racket. And this is something I'm pretty sure hasn't been discussed yet on the podcast, so this will be a, a new topic. And basically, hitting good drop shots comes down to three essential technique elements. Number one, you need an open racket face, meaning that your strings are facing up towards the sky. And depending on where you are on the court, you want your face to be really open at contact, at least 45 degrees angled upwards and opening more than that as you make contact. When you finish a good drop shot, your strings should be actually facing straight up towards the sky. That's not where they should be as you make contact, but um, upon, upon completing a drop shot stroke, you really want your racket face completely open. And how open you want it really depends on how softly you're trying to hit the shot, where you're standing on the court. Uh, the, the further back you are, the more open you're going to have to make it to really make it drop short because the ball has to be essentially on its way down, dropping already as it crosses the net so that it doesn't go super far and it doesn't bounce up and, and travel further into your opponent's side than you want it to. Uh, the closer you are, the, the more you can get away with having it a little bit more closed, which means that it's not going to sit up in the air as long and it's going to get back down to your opponent's side more quickly. So that's technical element number one is, a, is an open racket face. Number two is a downward racket path. This is a high to low racket path. The racket should be traveling downwards as you make contact. And the steeper your downward path is, the more backspin you're going to make. A drop shot is a, a backspin shot. It's a slice shot. And the steeper you come down towards the ball, the more backspin you're going to make. And in general, I don't recommend that those of you listening try to make this kind of like a chop shot where you're trying to create a whole lot of backspin. Your, your drop shots are going to be most effective if you have good touch and you place it well. Don't try, to, don't try to hit a good drop shot by spinning it a lot. If you hit it just right, it'll be an incredible shot. If you hit it short with a lot of spin, but when you start coming downwards really steeply and really quickly in order to try to make a lot of spin on purpose, you really just make it much more complicated to control exactly where the ball goes. There's just a lot more variables at play when you start to really spin the ball heavily. And it's just much more difficult to make consistently. So I just want to throw that out there. Don't try to hit an effective drop shot by spinning it a ton. Try to hit your effective drop shot by being soft and placing it well with some backspin. It should be a backspin shot, but we're not trying to hit an effective drop shot by hitting a whole ton of backspin. So that's number two, the downward racket path. And number three, this is probably the most important part. Those of you listening, you know, pr probably already knew one and two, 
Number three is really important, and that is a relaxed grip on the racket. And Robert, it's my guess that this is probably the element that you're missing is having a loose grip on the racket. The shorter and softer that you want your drop shot to be, the more relaxed your grip should be. This is a touch shot. This is a feel shot. And you will have no touch or feel if you have a tense, tight grip on the racket. So be loose and relaxed. Open the face up smoothly and let your racket come downwards to come underneath the ball as your face is opening to come underneath the ball and make a little bit of backspin. And exactly how high you want the drop, sh- uh, how high you want the ball to travel, how short you want it to land, and how much spin you want to be on the shot is all going to come down to those three elements the open face, the downward racket path and the relaxed grip on the racket. If your shots keep going deeper than what you want, Robert, if if the ball keeps landing on the service line, it's either going to be that your face is too closed. And and watch the, the path of the ball on this. There should be an arc to the shot. The ball should come up kind of softly and then drop down softly. If the ball travels relatively straight over the net and there's no arc to it, then you're never really going to be able to drop it very short because, as I mentioned before, the the point here is we actually want the ball dropping down towards the court again before it even gets to your opponent's side. And if you hit the ball straight and it starts dropping before it gets to your opponent's side, it's probably going to hit the net. So you have to open your face up to get the ball up in the air at least a little bit. Not so much that it sits up and it floats and it's easy for our opponent to get to. That's obviously not what we're going for, but that's where the touch comes into play. So watch the path of the ball. If the ball is traveling relatively straight, you need to open your face more. That'll help you get the ball shorter in the court. If you have the arc and it's curving, you know, and it's dropping down, but it's just popping up way too high and it's traveling too far in the court, then you need to relax and soften your grip. And without that, you'll never be able to hit this very effectively or very short. So again, touch shot, open racket face, downward racket path, relaxed grip on the racket. That's how you can hit the best possible drop shot. This is something I should really do a video on soon, a little tutorial video to show you all how to do this and how to practice it. But that's a great question, Robert. Thanks very much for writing in in Sweden. Appreciate you being a listener. And let me know if I can help you any further. All right, that does it for episode number 163 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Thank you very much for listening to today's show. I really appreciate it. And in wrapping up today's episode, I'm going to read just one quick comment that was left on last week's show where I had Will Hamilton of Fuzzy Yellow Balls on as a guest. And that comment comes to us from Beth, who wrote and said, Let me echo Will. Ian, you need to plan a trip out to Indian Wells. He talked about his access as a member of the press to the courts and to the players. And it's almost as good for the random schmo. Most of the video I shot was from about 8 or 10 feet away from the players. Not just practice, but even some of the matches on courts 4, 5, and 6. You are also right next to the players. I got hit by balls twice, <laughs> she says. All right. Uh, well, I, you know what? I'm planning on going out to Indian Wells next year for the tournament. 
and I, I'm really, really looking forward to it. I've actually been in Palm Springs uh, twice, kind of right down the road from where the tournament is. I've done two essential tennis clinics there and plan on doing a couple more before the tournament next year. So keep your ears open for that. But I plan on going to the BMP Paribas Open next year as a uh, Hopefully, as uh, press, uh, just as Will has been doing. But even if I can't get uh, press access, which hopefully I can, I plan on going just as a spectator to uh, to watch because I, I all I hear is how awesome that event is and how close you can get and et cetera, et cetera. And it's such a high-level event now. All of the best players in the world are there. And especially with the doubles this past year, it was awesome. All, all the top, I, I think everybody in the top 10 actually played doubles, which is incredible. I, I don't, I'm not quite sure why that happened, but I would have loved to have seen more of those matches and seen them in person as, as I talked about in previous uh, podcasts, completely different than watching on TV. So Beth, uh, thanks for your comments. And if you'd like to leave a comment on today's show, either on the doubles partner management or drop shot technique, simply go to EssentialTennis.com slash podcast. Click on episode number 163. Leave your comments or thoughts or questions. I read all of those and do my best to reply to all of them as well. And I look forward to seeing your thoughts on today's episode. So until next week, take care, everybody, and good luck with your tennis. 